So turn with me, if you would, over to... Um, yeah, we're going to go to Matthew 21, but let's first go over to 2 Corinthians 10, I think. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and let's look in verse uh, 3. For although we are walking in the flesh, we do not wage war in a fleshly way. Since the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but... I'm glad he didn't just stop there and say, because we don't have any weapons. But he actually made a point to, to tell us that the weapons we do have are powerful. Right? What does he say? He says they are powerful through God, because he's the one who enables them, for the demolition of strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's a place that's fortified, a place that is stronger than an ordinary place, right? All right, so it's for the demolition of strongholds, demonic strongholds in particular. It says, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So I want to talk about and, and just bring some um, awareness to one of the weapons that we have to fight with. And, you know, we could look at a number of different things, but in particular, I want to really zero in on, on one weapon that we have. Let's go over to Matthew 21 now. Matthew 21 and verse 12 is where we will begin reading. Now, this is right after the triumphal entry. Jesus comes into Jerusalem, right? He's riding the donkey. Everyone's saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And all these great things are happening. Well, in verse 12, Jesus went into the temple complex, this is Matthew 21, and drove out all those buying and selling in the temple. He overturned the money changers' tables and the chairs of those selling doves. And He said to them, It is written, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. The blind... and the, See immediately what happens after this. When he stepped out in authority, something then happens. It says the blind and the lame came to him in the temple complex and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonders that he did and the children in the temple complex cheering, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus told them. Have you never read? You have prepared praise for from the mouths of children and nursing infants. Then he left them and went out to the city to Bethany and spent the night there. So Jesus here, there, these children are praising him. You know, he just went in there and um, threw out some of those spirits in the temple that didn't belong, right? And some of the actions that were going on. And he takes authority over the situation. And then people are healed. The glory of God is revealed. Even the little children are praising him from the mouths of infants. So Jesus quotes this to him. Uh, you have prepared praise from the mouth of children and nursing infants. Now let's go over to Psalms and read what he was quoting. He was quoting out of Psalms chapter 8. Now I want to just remind you, we are looking at how do we establish victory? In particular, what are some of the tools that have been given to us. Psalms chapter 8, let's look in verse 1. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is Your name throughout the earth. 
You have covered the heavens with your majesty. Because of your adversaries, you have... Okay, let's just start over there at verse 2. Because of your adversaries. So he's giving us the why about what's coming next. Because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold or established strength from the mouths of children and nursing infants. So Jesus, when He requoted this, He changed it from strength or stronghold to praise. See, in your praise is great strength. When you praise the Lord, man, if you're dealing with any kind of situation that is demonic oppression against you or demonic warfare against you, bring the praise of God to that situation. And you will watch strongholds be demolished. And let's keep reading. He says, from, you've established it from the mouths of children and nursing infants. And here's why. To silence the enemy and the avenger. To silence those negative thoughts that keep coming against you. To silence the enemy when he is coming at you with depression and oppression and saying you're not worth it and attacking your identity. When you take it to stop right there, you say, Father, I bless you. I praise you. Do a jig. Do a dance. Turn on some worship music and worship him. See, too often we've, we've turned worship into something, an activity that we do at church. And that's not what worship is at all. That's just a corporate expression of something that takes place in our individual time at home. And it's at when we come together, sure, there's strength in it, but let's be more focused on the one we're worshiping than on what everyone else is thinking around us, right? Because it's real easy to go, well, you know, I don't want to get too carried away. I might, you know, someone's watching. Well, who cares? The one that's watching is the one that matters. So I want to read verse 2 again because it just gets me excited. Because of your adversaries, you have established strength or praise from the mouths of children and nursing infants. Listen, if a child and a little nursing infant, a nursing infant can't, isn't even going to speak. I mean, they don't have words that we understand. But the noises they make apparently can praise the Lord. Right? And... What's going to, even from a child, this isn't someone who's been trained in the ways of the Lord. This isn't someone who has, you know, spent 20 years in the ministry. This isn't someone that's been through all of rabbi school, you know, back then. This is a child. Hadn't even been to school. Doesn't even know how to read. And yet there is strength. There is stronghold breaking power in their praise when they praise the Lord. So how much more for an adult when we do have understanding of redemption, do have understanding of covenant, do have understanding of the name of Jesus, of the blood of Jesus. How much more for us when we rejoice and praise the Lord that we can be precise in attacking the enemy when he comes against us. You know, you want to shut the devil up, just start praising the Lord. He hates that. You know, I used to wonder as a child, well, how come the Lord, why does he want us to praise him? I mean, like, does, is he that weak of character? This is what I thought. Is he that weak of character that he, he needs people to tell him he's great? Nope. nope, not at all. Not at all. Praise and worship serves several different functions, but the one that we're looking at tonight, one of the functions it serves is it brings the presence of God into a situation that will silence the enemy when you praise Him. And it will break the strongholds when you praise Him. And this is one of the ways that we will walk in Victory. 
as we come into this coming whatever is coming. Right? We don't know what's coming, but we know who is there. That's right. right? All right, let's go right over to Psalms chapter 9. And let's look in verse 1. I will thank the Lord with all my heart. I will declare all your wonderful works. I will rejoice and boast about you. I will sing about your name, Most High. When my enemies retreat, they stumble and perish before you. Now notice what came before these enemies were retreating. Thanks. Declaring wonderful works. Rejoicing. Boasting about Him. Singing. Praise. And then it doesn't say the enemies may be defeated. It says when they are. I like that a whole lot. When they are. Right? They are defeated already. And when you praise the Lord, the presence of the Lord is there present to fight on your behalf. Let's go over to Psalms 22 and verse 3. Psalms 22. Yes, God bless you again and again. Alright, Psalms 20. No, let's go to Psalms 21 first, verse 13. Be exalted, Lord. In Your strength we will sing and praise Your might. You know, when you praise the Lord, it gets the focus off of you and off of your problem. See, a lot of the issue with us today is that, you know, faith comes by hearing. Faith for how bad things are come by hearing. Faith for how much this everything's going to hell in a handbasket comes by hearing. Hearing the news. Hearing and reading all the reports of everything that's horrible that's going on, right? So, we, we have another name for it here in this house. We call that doubt. And we call that unbelief, right? But it's just faith in reverse. It's believing to the negative. Well, in the same way that when you're dealing with a problem, let's say you've got bills that need to be paid and you don't have the money to pay the bill. If you continually look at the bill and imagine and, and are constantly, that's what your, where your focus is, is the bill and the lack of funds, then it's probably going to get worse for you. But if you'll change that focus and start praising the Lord for the answer. See, when you praise the Lord, you take your eyes off of the problem and onto the solution. You take your eyes off of the troubles and put them onto the promises. And you bless Him and you praise Him and you thank Him even when you haven't seen it come to pass yet. Because you know that He's faithful to keep His Word irregardless of the circumstance. We will sing and praise Your might. Alright, let's go to 22 and let's keep reading. My God, my God, why have You forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? Who is saying this? This is prophetic about Jesus, right? All right, Jesus didn't write it. David did. But he is writing this prophetically about Jesus. And when Jesus hung on the cross, and when he became sin for us, right? He never sinned, but he became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And it was at that moment when he was separated from the Lord. That's why he's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if, if victory ever looked far away, it looked far away for him at that moment. If ever there looked like this whole thing is defeated and where someone could have been like down and out and in doubt and in worry, he could have been. Now, I don't believe he was. Because I believe he died in faith because the Word says that the Father raised him up. And he knew that the Father wasn't going to leave him. Wasn't going to just let him and suffer in the depths of hell and not be rescued. 
So he had confidence in that. In verse 2, he says, My God, I cry by day, but You do not answer by night, yet I have no rest. He says, but You are holy. See, he's changing. He's changing what he's looking at and beginning to look at something else. He says, You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Or some translations say dwelling within the praise of Israel. You know, the pre- let's say it a different way. The presence of God is there when you praise Him. He dwells in that. It brings His presence into the circumstance, into the situation. Let's go to Psalms 56. We could spend weeks in the Psalms looking at verses like this. But I just want to give you a a bird's eye view. I don't know if a bird's eye view, but a snapshot. Let's put it that way. Give you a snapshot of one of the ways that we find and declare and establish victory is by our praise when things look like they're just against you. Psalm 56, verse 1. Be gracious to me, God, for man tramples me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day, for many arrogantly fight against me. Now, the context here is David is writing this It's when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Does it look like there's any victory in store for him right now? No, not in the natural realm. But if you're looking into the natural realm for your victory, you're looking in the wrong place. We have to lift our eyes and and see with spiritual eyes into the spiritual realm and see where our victory comes from. Remember when, when the psalmist says he looks up to the mountains and he, he looks around and he goes, where does my help come from? He was surrounded by enemies. He just loved to see an army come over the crest of the mountain coming to his rescue. He looks and he says, where's my help come from? And then he, oh yeah, my help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Well here, so they, they got him. It looks like he lost. Verse 3, he says, when I am afraid. When everything's going sideways. Right? It's not going right. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will, do you trust in him? You know, we don't know what's, what's going to happen in the coming months and this winter and coming into next year's election. All the, you know, there's a lot of questions in the air. And should we be afraid? No. No. Might we be in danger? Maybe. In fact, hold your finger here. Let's go over to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. You ever hear people say um, the safest place to be is in the will of God? Well, that's a lie. I don't believe that for a second. I'm going to tell you why. Was Jesus in the perfect will of God? It killed Him. No, He got rescued. He's alive today. But he went through some things. So, let's say it a different way. The safest place to be spiritually is in the will of God. But not the safest place physically or naturally. Because it might cost you your life. Going where the will of God is sending you is not about your security. Come on. Now, we do have Psalms 91 and all kinds of promises that we can stand on. However, Even in that, you might face immense danger. But put your faith and confidence in the Lord for the promises He's given you to be delivered. 
Here in, in Proverbs 2, so you all can put your stones back down. I saw a few of you picking them up. Verse 33, whoever listens to me will live securely in, in chapter 1. And be free from fear of danger. See, it does not say be free from danger. It says be free from the fear of it. See, Psalms 23 says the shepherd leads you beside still waters and, and green pastures. And, and when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why not? Because you're still with the shepherd. He led you here. How is this a safe place? It's in the very shadow of death. But you don't have to be afraid of it. What does he say? He says you're going to be free from the fear of danger. I will fear no evil, Psalms 23 tells us. You have promises to absolutely to believe for your life. In fact, when you read um, Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith Hall of Fame chapter, and you get down towards the end and it starts listing, I don't have time, <laughs> he goes to talk about you know, Gideon and Samson and he goes down through this whole list of things and those that were martyred for their faith and he said there was some of them that did not accept release because they wanted a better resurrection. It appears that they could have chosen they could have chosen life, but chose actually a better resurrection. Paul, Peter, uh, Paul, when he wrote in Philippians, and he was talking about man, he was he was being persecuted, right? He's in prison. He goes, man, I don't know if I'm gonna live or die. He says, you know, I don't know which one I'm going to choose. Hold it. Choose, live or die. You're choosing, Paul. Yes, yeah, what he said. He said, I don't know which one I'm going to choose. And then he goes on talking. He goes, you know what? Um, to live is, is to serve Christ and serve you guys. and but To die is actually gain for me. But you know what? Um, I will choose to stay, is what he says. You can go find that in Philippians. He says, I'm going to choose to stay. And stay he did until his race was run. Alright, where were we? Psalms, I got so far out of uh, where I was at. Psalms 56. And um, verse... One, be gracious to me, God, for man tramples me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day, for many arrogantly fight against me. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. So he acknowledges that, you know what, fear can come. But just like a physical symptom of sickness, don't make it your identity when that fear shows up. There is a way to defeat that fear. Just like there is a way to defeat other things. You know, open your mouth. This is the greatest tool that the Lord has given to you. The physical tools, your tongue. And when you praise the Lord, when you use the name of Jesus, when you declare things out, declare His Word. Declare His promises. Verse 4. He says, I'm going to trust in you. I'm not, when I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. Or some translation says, I will praise His word. Now why would you do that? Why would you praise the Father's word? Jesus is the word. He deserves our praise. But isn't the word, isn't the Father faithful to keep His word? Right? And so, it will accomplish what it was sent to do is what Isaiah tells us. And so, he is saying, man, I'm going to praise the promise. Because he believes the promise. He said, I'll trust in you, God. 
And God is going to be faithful to keep His promise to you, to me, and to... Isn't that wonderful about the Gospel? It's an equal opportunity employer. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not fear. See, it started out, when I am afraid, see how that shifted all of a sudden two lines later? He goes, I will not fear. Nope, I'm trusting in God. I praise His word. Now he's getting sassy. What can man do to me? Has his circumstances changed? No. But you know what has changed? The vision on the inside of him. Because he put his eyes on the one who gives the vision. Going down to um, verse 9, he says, Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know. God is for me. Oh man, I like that. Let's say that together. God is for me. Turn to your neighbor say, God is for you. He says, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not fear, what can man do to me? The praise of God carries such power. In fact, Remember when Saul, an evil spirit, would come and torment King Saul? And so he had David, because they said the Lord is with David. And so they told him, why don't you have someone come play music for you when this happens to help you? And there's this guy named David, and the Lord's with him, and he is real skillful playing. And so, okay, so Saul has him brought in, asks him to come work for him. And the next time that happens, it says David would play for him and the evil spirit would leave Saul. Did Saul change? No, but the atmosphere changed because David, as he praised the Lord, brought the presence of God in and that evil spirit couldn't remain anymore. Do you know why so many times when Jesus walked up on a scene, an evil spirit would manifest in a person? Because he brought the presence of God. And when the presence of God come around, ooh, that irritates those devils. And they don't like it. That's why some people just always act up when you come around. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. A very famous happening where the praise of God. 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, now these were descendants of Lot, together with some of the Mennonites and Amish, actually it says Menunites, I don't know, maybe it's a distant relative. Meunites came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast multitude from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. And they are already in, yeah, a place that's in Angedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid. So, what do you do when you're afraid? Well, you praise the Lord, that's right. But do what Jehoshaphat did too to, to get direction. So he resolved to seek the Lord. Now, I want to point something out here. It doesn't say he felt like seeking the Lord. Because a lot of times when you're up against it, and it looks like certain defeat, you don't feel like seeking the Lord. What you feel is like throwing a pity party and sending out invitations. Right? So we're not going to go by our feelings, but we're actually going to do like, like Jehoshaphat did. What did he do? He deliberately took an action. He was deliberate in what he did. He chose. He resolved. That means that it, it, it's, it's a choice with some strength in it. Right? So he resolved to go seek the Lord. So he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. 
who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek Him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard, and he said, Help! Basically. Lord, help. And he ends it with this. He says um, in verse 12, Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast multitude that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. Putting your focus on the Lord, there's no better way to do it than to worship Him and praise Him. All right? Spend the time. Turn on the music. Put your phone down and just worship the Lord. Get on your face in the carpet. You know, if you need to do it when other people are at work or away or maybe you're in the car driving alone, it's an excellent time to to praise the Lord. Do keep one hand on the wheel and at least one eye open. It says we walk by faith, not drive by faith. All right, verse 13. So all Judah is standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, their children. In the midst of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benai, son of Jeel, son of Matani, a Levite from Asaph descendants. And he said, Listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jerul. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves. I like that. Position yourselves. Position yourself. Position yourselves on what? On the Word. On the promises. On the rock. Right? On the rock. Alright, position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Now, do you think they still had opportunity to fear? It's still a vast multitude. It hadn't got any less. There's still trained warriors out there. They still outnumber us like crazy. And now you're telling us to go stand out here for them. Thanks, Lord. But the Lord's saying, don't be afraid. Now, why would the Lord say, do not fear? Isn't this the valley of the shadow of death for them? Isn't the Lord leading them out there? Yep, He's telling them to go. Because the Lord said, the ba- I'll fight the battle. It's not yours. So then Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship Him. Great response. And then the Levites from the son of Kohathites and the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel shouting in a loud voice. In the morning, they got up early. They weren't dragging their feet on this deal. They're like on it. Why? Because they're in faith. They believe. Got up early. They went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. That's about 10 miles away from where they were at. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in His prophets. In other words, the the prophet had spoken. Believe in His Word. Believe in the promise. And you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of His holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, Give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love endures forever. 
They kept singing this over and over and over and over again. Give thanks to the Lord. Sometimes we repeat a phrase again and again and again. In fact, if you read in Revelations, it says that they kept repeating a certain phrase over and over and over again. People around the throne were. So here, they just keep repeating something. Give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love endures forever. What is this doing? This is also putting their eyes on the promise giver and it's creating a vision on the inside of them of God's faithful love. That He is faithful and they're thanking Him. Thanking Him that He's faithful. That He's not going to let them down. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites. You know, I don't know if this was who it was. Maybe it was angels. But the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah. And they were defeated. It doesn't tell us who those people were doing the ambushing. The Ammonites and the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. This is a team effort. (laughs) We praise the Lord. They take each other out. When Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there were corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and his people went to gather the plunder. They found among them an abundance of goods and the bodies and valuable items, so they stripped them until nobody could carry any more. You know how like when you come home from a big shopping trip and you put all those bags on your arm, you're determined to do one trip from the car. That's how they looked going back to the Jerusalem, right? They couldn't carry any more. It says here that as it... Um, they assembled, oh, they gathered the plunder for three days because there was so much. They had to go back for another trip and then another and then another. You know, the praise of God made the difference here because they sought the Lord when the bad time came and because they looked to Him and believed His promise. You know, you and I have promises, plenty of promises. We only need one, really. Only one rhema word of God will make all the difference. And then when you praise Him, it brings the presence of God right into the situation. And whoo Victory! So what happened next was they assembled in the valley of Baraka on the fourth day. For there they praised the Lord. Therefore, the place is still called the valley of Baraka today. And so we see that then all the men of Jerusalem and Judah turned back and Jehoshaphat at their head returned joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord enabled them to rejoice over their enemies. So they came into Jerusalem to the Lord's temple with harps, lyres, and trumpets. And the terror of God was in all the kingdoms of the lands when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And this is what needs to happen in Afghanistan, isn't it? Yeah. I was just thinking the same thing too. That's yeah. 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 Me too. Stand in the gap right now and just worship God on the gap. So our brothers and sisters from Afghanistan, so that Taliban will turn on themselves and they won't defend the country. Victory can, can just be established just like that. And and you're going to have opportunity to do exactly what she said here in a little bit. Remember Acts 16. Um, we're not going to turn there because I don't I don't want to take the time. But what I do want to do is let's go to Psalms 149. And we're going to finish it here in Psalms 149. And I'll just talk about Acts 16 for a moment. In Acts 16, this is where Paul and Silas, they went on a missionary trip and got arrested and um, put in prison. 
They're in the inner stock. They'd been beaten. I mean, things look bad for them. It doesn't look like they're getting out of this place. And it's the middle of the night. It's bad times. And what are they doing? It says they begin to sing praises to the Lord. And when you begin to sing praises to the Lord in spite of everything around you that's so horrible like they did, it brings, what does it do? The presence of God right into the situation. And you know what happened there in Acts 16, right? Earthquake. I'm in a precision earthquake. One that broke the chains off of them and broke the doors down but let the walls keep standing. That's a pretty wild earthquake. And there's what happened? Revival came. And the jailer and his whole household get saved and a church gets planted in that region. Because do you think if they would have sat in that jail cell and grumbled? What do you think, Silas? I think we probably missed God. We should have went to somewhere else. And Paul says, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think the Lord probably doesn't like us because I thought if we're in the will of God, we're going to be in a safe place and we'd never be in this situation. Look, I mean, I think the Lord's deserted us. Yeah, we're probably just cooked anyway. Let's just uh, cry and have a bad time and, and be defeated and send out the invitations for the pity party. And, right? I mean, we don't talk this way, but we think it sometimes. But no, they turned their attention from their problem to the problem solver. And even if this problem doesn't get solved, they're going to worship. And the presence of God comes right in and you see Psalms 149 come right into action. Let's read in verse 1. Hallelujah. That means praise ye the Lord. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. His praises in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel celebrate its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly celebrate in triumphal glory. It means jump for joy. That word celebrate. Let them sing and shout for joy on their beds. I tried that one time. I waited until Jen was almost asleep because it made it more fun. Verse 6, let the exaltation, that's the high praise of God, be in their mouths. And see here what it is when you have the high praise of God in your mouth. It's a two-edged sword in their hands, inflicting vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples and binding their kings with chains and their dignitaries with iron shackles, carrying out the judgment decreed against them. The honor is for all His godly people, all His saints. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to... Um, I'm going to invite you... Yes. Three parts. It started part number one last Saturday night. If you weren't up here, you missed out. The glory of God was here. Pastor Dale gave an altar call. First it was, come pray to be healed, whatever you're dealing with, sickness and disease. He said a second thing. He said, arise... The glory is upon you. I heard the arise. I came up and I just bathed in the glory. Dale came over and he prayed for me. Lord, heal him, whatever he's standing for and believing God. I thought, well, whatever that is, I receive it. I, you know, praise God. But I'm here, arise, the glory is here. The next morning, we're working in our house in a closet. Levine and I are moving some boxes around. And the two youngest ones are playing by the closet door. And these are the fold-in closet doors. These things are really heavy and they pivot on a screw. It broke. 
wham, the closet door went down. Chaos. All I know is two little girls were playing by the door. We're trying to pick them up and figure out what's going on. Both of them are screaming at the top of their lungs. The one can speak and at least explain, hey, I can move my foot. The other one can't speak and she can't move her foot. The foot's turning black and blue. It's all marked up. It's not moving. What are you going to do? This is part number two. When I laid hands on that foot, it was like the handkerchiefs in the New Testament when the apostles would lay hands on the handkerchief and they'd lay that on the sick. I felt it in my hands. I felt the glory of God touch that foot. We started. And so I got kids all around here screaming and we're all shook up because this is what's going on here. Is this foot shattered? What's it looks terrible. It looks really, really bad. So we got all the kids together. We said, we're going to pray and we're going to confess the word of God over this foot. We're going to believe we received and it's whole in the name of Jesus. Now, here's part number three. Part number three, what you heard tonight. I told all the kids, we're going to praise the Lord for the victory. We're just going to praise the Lord for the victory. Yeah. We are healed and whole. That foot started moving. The toes started wiggling. The life of God came back into that foot. By that afternoon, that evening, she was walking. So what you heard tonight, take it to heart. Practice it. Believe it. The glory of God is here. It's falling. Do not miss it. Thank you. Hallelujah. Practice it. Lift your hands up. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Thank you, Lord, you're the best businessman I ever met. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for knowledge and understanding. Thank you for relationships that will bring me to where you want me to be. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight. Thank you for our church. Oh, come on. Thank the Lord for our church. Thank you for our church family. Thank you, Lord, for our pastor. Thank you for the teachers and the prophets and the evangelists. Thank you, Lord, for all the ministries in this body. Thank you, Lord, that you'd raise them up and allow them to do what you've called them to do. I bless you and I honor you for it. Thank you, Lord, there's no debt in this church. I thank you not only are we a cancer-free zone, we're a debt-free zone. Thank you that you lift off the burden of financial debt from every family, from every individual. Thank you, Lord, every credit card is paid for. Thank you, Lord, every car is paid for. Thank you, Lord, every house is paid for. Thank you, Lord, every college tuition is paid for. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. We glorify, we honor you, we bless your holy name. We thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. <laughs> thank you, Father. Sydney called me earlier in the day and said, you have a message on your heart. I, I, 
you know, and we talked back and forth, and we're both like, well, you know, we both could preach, doesn't matter, and just, you know, find excuses to preach. And, uh, uh, but Sid, Sid was saying, well, I just feel like, you know, there's something here, and I said, well, I'm ready, you just let me know, and I'm, I was meditating, studying all week, and uh, came in, and, and uh, he got up here and basically preached everything I had. Except for one verse, I was gonna I was gonna be in Psalms one forty nine and some other places, so I will just stir you up with two simple scriptures, maybe three, maybe five, seven or eight, but uh, then we'll receive the the communion in together. But in Colossians chapter two, I wanted to to take some things from last week and bring them to the practical. That's one thing you know if you study the Word of God. You can learn great things about heaven and about the Lord, but if, if it's not what you're experiencing in your life, then what good is it? A- amen? I, I, I mean, it, it is good intrinsically to know everything about the Lord, but the Lord wants, wants you to apply it. He wants you to see a result. If I were to sit at a table with a great theologian who knows everything about the Word of God and, and, and sitting next to him is, is an old grandmother that knows how to pray and get results... I'm just going to be honest. I'm probably going to listen to Grandma. Amen. I, I was so blessed when Terry and I pastored our first church. The, they had a little group of elders, and, and uh, the folks in that church, most of them had been praying in tongues longer than I'd been alive. One was a... Uh, I'll pick it up when I'm done. And uh, uh, Mary Rattan, she's a tremendous intercessor. And she would, I'd sit and talk with her for hours. I'd go visit her house, and she talked about how she went into all these old meetings, a whole, whole bunch of other ones. You might not even know their names. And she was in her 70s when Terry and I started pastoring. And uh, as the years went by, I remember I met with her one time, and uh, could see she was getting frail. And, and I asked her, I said, Mary, are you ready to go home? And she said, she said, no, no, I have prayer requests that aren't answered yet. So she lasted for about 20 more years. See, as the pastor was saying, you can choose. And she chose. She chose. Well, here in Colossians 2, one of the choices we make is to get rooted and build up in him. He said in verse 6, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, that's the way you walk in him. See, that's my paraphrase. As you have received him, so walk in him the way you received him is the way that you walk in him all right he goes on and says be rooted and build up in him now you know the bible's full of uh, a parable and allegory to an agricultural society so so some city slickers really might not understand because they've never really had to dig up anything with roots and until you've until you've labored all day trying to pull some things up that don't want to be pulled up then you understand that roots are a little bit more than just about delivering nutrients to the plant when you get rooted in something it's talking more about stability than it is the supply of of water that's involved in a root system but boy I, I know there's been there have been times we've been trying to dig stuff up and roots you know for one plant it'll be 15 20 feet stretched out different directions and that that system is so deep and so tight the wind's not going to blow it over 
It's not, it's going to face the problems of life. Amen. And we need to be rooted and grounded in him and established in the faith. How? Well, as you've been taught, abounding therein, what's the therein? In what you were taught with what? Thanksgiving. See, the truths that you have learned through the teaching that you've received will only be rooted into your life if you respond with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And and I want to just bring this out to that, you know, whether you're shouting for joy, laying in bed. Hope your wife's name's Joy. Uh, uh, I shout for Terry when I'm laying in bed. Give me my coffee, you know. <laughs> Thank with thanksgiving. Now, now we know about the confession of our faith, but if probably not too many of you uh, uh, would fail to understand this, but sometimes when people teach faith, it becomes so mechanical and it loses intimacy and it becomes ritualistic. And, I, and I've seen it in people that their confession of faith, by his stripes I'm healed, isn't a whole lot different than a lap around the rosary. It's simple tradition. But it's, it's just simply not the same when you lift your hands and you say, thank you, Father. By his stripes I'm healed. When you take the confession of faith into thanksgiving, well, one, one thing the Bible says, the Lord inhabits it. Amen. And, and the presence of God comes. And it was wonderful last week when the glory fell. Because that, you tasted the glory of God. Well, that comes through thanksgiving. What we've been taught, what we hear, and I would encourage you, every time you go to church, every time you have your devotional and you read your word, you say, what can I do with this? You can praise the Lord with what you've read. Thank you, Lord, uh, for everything that's in me in Christ Jesus. And that's the one other scripture. Turn to Philemon real quick. I just want you to see a few things. Verse 6. That the communication of your faith. The Greek here is the koinonia. The fellowship of your faith. I know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so the father of faith is the word. But I'll tell you what. It, it, there's something about fellowship keeping your fellowship strong with the Lord and with one another. The fellowship of your faith. That the communication or the fellowship of your, of your faith may become effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You see, building on last week's message, what God's put in you needs to be stirred up and acknowledged by praise. Thank you, Lord. When's the last time you lifted your hands and said, Thank God I am saved. Hallelujah. Thank God I'm filled with the Spirit of God. Thank God I have His wisdom. I have His knowledge. I have His understanding. Thank God I have the mind of Christ. Amen. Glory to God. See, take, take these principles, and when you do, when you isolate and focus on that one thing the Lord's brought to you. I'll just, I'll just give you a, a common example. I remember teaching in a small little church. I don't know, Karen was probably there. Probably wasn't more than 20 people. 
and uh, Kathy Greer's daughter came walking in. First time she came to church, not sure she wanted to be there. And I had a word from the Lord, a word of knowledge that she'd been suffering terrifying nightmares and had a spirit of fear on her life. And, And that's what brought her to Jesus. Amen. But how many of you know God has not given us a spirit of fear? Just take that one phrase. That's, that's, you, maybe you got that through a teaching, through a sermon, through reading it in the Bible yourself. What are you going to do with that? Turn it into a praise. Thank you, Lord. You've not given me a spirit of fear. Thank you, Father. I don't have a spirit of fear. Thank you, Lord. What's going to happen when you praise the Lord like that? Some more is going to come out, isn't it? No, 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 Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't have a spirit of fear. But, ho, ho, I got a spirit of a sound mind. Glory to God. And that praise, what will it do? It will cause that word to be rooted into your life. It'll, you'll be rooted and grounded in what you praise God about. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Take, take what you hear and turn it into praise. Take that worry and turn it into a prayer request. We'll, we'll, we'll try to close. Turn to Philippians. Flip over to Philippians. Louie, 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 Luau. You're going to sing that at the, the Luau. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Every church service. Seriously, learn the secret of the power of praise. It's not about singing good. It's not about massaging the emotions because you had a great experience. It's about warfare against the enemy, pulling down his strongholds. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There's some emphasis there from, the, from, from Paul. Rejoice, rejoice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. One of the reasons is that you'll begin to put something into your heart. The Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. Sometimes what's in there, you don't even know what's in there. I remember roofing with my dad, and, 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 he, and he accidentally hit his fingers with the hammer we were, we we're going real fast because storm clouds were coming and he had one of them really nice heavy hammers we're you know boom he's we're putting the shingles on fast and he accidentally hit his thumb and 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 i laughed big mistake he just reached over there and wrapped my thumb boom was it without even thinking and something came out of me and it wasn't praise I didn't know it was in there. I never said that word in my father's presence. <laughs> but it came out. How many of you, have you had something like that happen in your life? Or you're sitting somewhere in some song from 20 years ago? It just starts coming out of you. You think, Lord, I thought I'd got the eagles out of me a long time ago. Meatloaf? What on earth is meatloaf doing in me? Some of you don't even know that group. Anyhow, but you put the word of God in you. I can remember playing football, and I, I, I got saved during this years of playing football, and I went from being an ugly cuss to, to sort of sanctified. 
And I remember being around my friends when once accidentally, it just come out of me. I didn't think about it. I didn't try, but it just came out. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and everyone freezes and looks at you like, Who, what happened to him? So it got into me, into, into the innermost being, out of your abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. How are you going to get it in there and in, in abundance? Through praise. See, see, if you focus so much on confession, you'll, you'll, get the, you'll get the mechanics, but you'll miss the life. I don't think you can confess God's word without praising. Then it's just in the head and in the realm. But he said, I'll praise your word. That's what the psalmist said. Amen. So out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. And that's why I believe praise is the highest form of prayer, of faith. He went on. Let's finish it. Verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication with? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. You face a problem, and you're staring at your problem, and you don't know what to do. It's time to praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. I have the mind of Christ. I'm just talking practical here. You'd be staring at a computer screen, and you don't know how to do it. you got some problem you're facing. Thank you, Father God. You give me wisdom. Thank you, Lord. You give me wisdom. Thank you, Father. The gifts of the Spirit will work while you're programming a computer language just as well as they'll work in church on Sunday. Amen. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Let's stand up for a minute and do a little praise practice. How many know that uh, David, uh, you know, had God's heart? God said that David uh, is a man that's after my own heart. So he knew some things, right? Uh, Pastor spoke at a lot of Psalms tonight and and, uh, Apostle did last week also, but God wants to tie the two services together. He want, uh, so last week, uh, I believe by the unction of the Holy Spirit, uh, Apostle Dale went into uh, thankfulness. And then uh, Pastor Sid uh, got into uh, uh, praise today, right? So this is what Psalms 100 says. Just make a joyful uh, shout unto the Lord, all you lands. Hallelujah! Woo! Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Okay, that's good, but this is getting better. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and we, not ourselves. We are his people and the, and the sheep of his pastor. Check this out. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. God started with thanksgiving last week. What is he talking about this week? And into his courts with praise. Hallelujah. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Why is God why does God want us to praise? Why does he want us to be thankful? Because he wants us to get into the place where we're in his presence to sing and worship him. God what, what's what's so significant about courts? Think about kingdoms. The courts, it's it's all about um, it's personal. When you're in his courts, it's personal. 
Remember Esther? And for her to even get in the courts of the king, she put her life on the line to get into the courts. What are we doing to put our life on the line to get in God's courts? Amen. Amen. Well, let's prepare to receive the communion elements. time here the kids are coming so we'll let them join in with us hallelujah I remember when I was a little boy in the Methodist church and uh, my mom wouldn't let me take communion I wanted to go up and she she wouldn't let me go I said why can't I go up she said because you don't understand it it was about six years later I found out she didn't understand it either Thank God for the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus broken and shed for us, for the remission of our sins, for the healing of our diseases. Always blesses me whenever I read the Bible. When Paul talked about it, the Bible said the first thing Jesus did when he broke the bread is he gave thanks. Now he knew what it meant. He knew what it was going to mean to him individually, but he also knew what it was going to mean to you tonight. You know, when the Bible says he looked to the cross with joy, he, he saw you. Amen. When Jesus went to the cross, he saw you tonight. Confessing your sin, laying it aside, and receiving forgiveness, being set free from bondages, being set free from habits, being made clean and pure by the blood. Amen. He looked to the cross with joy because he saw you tonight receiving your healing, receiving that healing in your bones, in your muscles, in your nervous system, in your lungs, breathing deep and free. No more asthma, no more cancer, no more bursitis, persitis, arthritis, or whatever-itis. Amen. We've been redeemed. Because we're rooted and we are built up in Him. Now we're so blessed that in just a few weeks we've had teams come back from Africa. We've had them come back from the Middle East. We've, we've got them going out uh, uh, as soon as they come in. You know, that's just not a normal church. Amen. I, I sit there and just want to giggle sometimes. As I, I remember, and, and I don't think some, some of you realize how wonderful you really are. Jesus would say, you know, when one goes astray, the shepherd, he leaves the 99 and he goes looking for that one. And then he comes back and everybody rejoices. I can remember early as a young pastor leaving the 99, going out to find the one and coming back to the 43 that were left, wondering what happened because they weren't, they weren't in it with me. Amen. But eventually they learned and uh, or else the stubborn ones died off. I don't know. But, but you come back and everyone rejoices. Isn't it good?
to know what God's doing all over the world. And we're a part of it. Amen. So, Father, we just hold up these elements before you. We're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful that, that he, his body was broken for us, for the healing of our diseases. And we discern the Lord's body, that we are the body of Christ. That There's unity here. There's no strife here. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this church. And we take and we eat all of it in that covenant of Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Mm. And he shed his blood. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. No sin in this house. God wants us holy and pure before Him. And that's your heart. That's your step. That's your choice. Take and drink the blood and be free of all sin. And if that ain't something to shout about, I don't know what is. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your grace, the ability, the world-conquering ability that you put on the inside of us and your believers all around the world. Father, it, it is devil-overcoming faith on the inside of us that you've put there by your Spirit because the law that you've put within us is greater than the law of sin and death. And Lord, we bless you for it. We exalt you for it. We thank you for eternal life in your body in the earth today. Who can say, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. You know, we, you, Lord. we sang about building, how he's going to build his church. Yeah. And it's built upon the rock. And what is that rock? Jesus. That rock is the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, yes, the Son of the living God. That was what the rock was that Jesus was referring to. Because he just asked Peter, who do men say that I am? And he said, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, we prayed about Afghanistan earlier, and most of those people in Afghanistan, well, all the people that are not believers, they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. They believe Jesus was a prophet, and yet we know the truth. So let's pray heaven down on them. Not that they would get into heaven, but that heaven would get into them. All right? Lord, we just ask you for revival in Afghanistan. Lord, that you would give the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. Lord, that you would open up their eyes and ears to see it. 
Lord, I do see it. I see it in the checkpoints. I see it in the mountain villages. I see your revival and truth breaking out all across Afghanistan. Lord, I thank you for it. We call for the goodness of God upon Afghanistan. The goodness of God upon these people. The revelation that Jesus is the soon and coming King. And we bless you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for deliverance for our brothers and sisters over there. We thank you, Lord, for delivering them. I thank you, Father, for sending angels to bring about this deliverance. We call them free indeed in Jesus' name. Let's praise him. Let's exalt him. Let's worship him. Your promises are faithful and true. Your promises will stand the test of time. And we exalt you, Lord, for you are good. And your faithful love endures forever. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. You are amazing in every way. Thank you, Lord, that you care for your people. Thank you that you are easily touched by our infirmities. Thank you, Lord, that you have not forsaken your church, your house, your people in Afghanistan, but that you are bringing about their deliverance, that you are bringing them just like the children of Israel went through the Red Sea, Lord, but that you are bringing deliverance, and I bless you for it. Glory to your name, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you loved us enough to send Jesus to redeem us, to deliver us, to make us free indeed. And Lord, we just declare freedom over every person in here tonight. Father, I thank you for the families that you've put here. I thank you for the individuals, for our children. Lord, we call our children blessed and highly yes, favored Lord. in the Lord. We call our children alive unto you. Yes. We declare our children are your servants and they are being molded into your image and after your likeness to bring about deliverance into the earth everywhere they go in your name. That is what we are declaring in this house, Lord. And we just align ourselves, Father, with you, with your purposes, with your plans in this region right here and in Pennsylvania and all across our nation, Lord. I ask you for our nation. I ask you for Pennsylvania, for Lancaster County, for York County, for Chester County. Lord, I ask you that you would give us the revival we've been believing for. Lord, send people into this house. Send people into our homes that we might deliver the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Yeah. I bless you, Lord. Thank you for it. So while we were worshiping, I uh, asked the Lord if there was anything um, to share, and he brought me to Isaiah 33. And he wanted me to read uh, verses 1 through 6. Woe to you, O destroyer. That's the devil, in case some of you didn't know. <laughs> while you were not destroyed, while you were not destroyed, and he who is treacherous, while others did not deal treacherously with him. As soon as you shall finish destroying, you shall be destroyed. As soon as you have, uh, I'm sorry, as soon as you shall cease to deal treacherously, others shall deal treacherously with you. It's a lot of big words. O Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited for thee. Be thou their strength every morning, our salvation also in the time of distress. At the sound of the tumult, 
peoples flee. At the lifting up of thyself, nations disperse, and your spoil is gathered as the caterpillar gathers, as locusts rushing about, men rush about on it. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. And this is verse 6. And he shall be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. All right, so here's the deal. We can praise and we can shout and we can sing and we can dance and we can make a big commotion and just have a lot of fun. And then we can go home and act like none of it happened and just go about watching all the things that we watch and doing the things that we do and have life as normal. Is that what any of you want? No. 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 (laughs) That's not what I want. I want to see this place so full of people that are hungry for God that we need another place. And then another place after that. And I want to see your homes filled up with people that are learning about the goodness of God. And that we just grow so fast. I'm not talking about CWI. I'm talking about the body of Christ. That we grow so fast that the Lord's going to have to figure out what to do with everyone. (laughs) Right? Because it's way out past all of us. I was going back through some prophecies to this afternoon. I was spending time with the Lord because I didn't know what He wanted to do tonight. And I was, had so many things firing off on the inside of me. I couldn't discern which direction I was supposed to be going and which of the 288 subjects that I had in me to preach, which one to preach. And so I was going back and I was looking through some of the prophecies that the Lord has given to this house and to us individually. And I was just blown away by some of the uh, congruency of these prophecies spanning the years just since I've been here from 2011 until now. And you know what? We need to believe God that now is the season, now is the time for the redemption of the Lord to draw in upon this land, upon this place, and and not just our church, but the body of Christ all through our nation. The world is desperate for a real and a living Jesus who is a son of the living God. Right? And so let's be bold. Let's just make a commitment to be bolder than we've ever been before. To pray for people. To declare the truth to them. To tell them, you know what, there's a better way. Can we do that? Okay, let me add to that. And Dale, you know, and Sydney have both been talking about the extreme applicability of Thanksgiving. And as Sydney was discussing having this expanded vision for our nation, for the body of Christ, um, a passage that I know we've all heard, Romans chapter 1. You know, Romans chapter 1, we look at all the negatives, all the decline of culture, all the problems. Now, Paul brought out, it's because we were not thankful. He brings out specifically because that when they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Neither were thankful. As a result, what are you left with? You're left with all this vain philosophy, vain imaginations. And you change. You switch the glory or the thankfulness from the uncorruptible things of God to all of your corrupted philosophies and ideas. And that's exactly, and I remember the Lord helping me to see this several years ago because we all want 
to be successful. We want the church to grow. We want ourselves to grow in the Lord. And he helped me to see this in Romans 1. Don't look at homosexuality. Be thankful for your spouse. That's how we change the culture. I am thankful for Sarah. I have found a good thing, an amazing thing. I am thankful for my children. They are so talented. I am thankful for our church, for our ministers. They have been so anointed. I am so thankful. And that's how you switch the culture back around is by being thankful and changing the glory and the thankfulness to all of the vain philosophies and all those terrible ideas, changing it back to God and all of the uncorruptible, invisible things that he has given us in him. Amen. 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 That's really good. And thank you for talking about spouses because that was what I wanted to close with. You know, there was something that the Lord showed me today in that this is not a new thing. This has happened through the years again and again and again. But there are seasons and times where it is... It seems um, you, you see it come to the surface, bubble to the surface, and then it kind of simmers down, and then it bubbles to the surface. And that is, is the enemy's attack against marriages. The enemy's attack against uh, believing people that are representatives of Christ in the church. Because that's what marriage is the type of, right? Of Christ in his church. And that's why the devil hates marriage so much. Because he wants to do everything he can to destroy the image of Christ in the church. And so it's not that he has something against your individual marriage, but if he can cause that to not look like the image of Christ in the church, it makes Christ in the church unattractive. And so I just want to pray over you as you go that, you know, if you have a spouse, what Mike said, be thankful for them. Instead of pointing out the things that they do that you don't like, start pointing out the things that they're a blessing about. Start catching them doing the right thing rather than looking for the wrong thing. <laughs> All right? I'm going to pray over you. If, you. if you're with your spouse, just grab their hand and agree with them. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you gave strong marriages to us. And I call every marriage here strong, Father, that by your Spirit in these marriages that we would accurately reflect Christ in the church, that this mystery of, of Christ in His people, of His church, that our marriages would really represent this, Lord. And any attack that is coming against marriages in this house, right now, in the name of Jesus, I break those things off of you. I don't permit them to come against you anymore. And Father, I loose by the Spirit of God peace, peace and prosperity upon the marriages in this house, in Jesus' name, and amen. Now, you'll have to choose that, right? Your flesh sometimes don't want to feel it, but the spiritual element of it just got, got canceled. So now it's just flesh you'll deal with rather than the whole spiritual side of it. Mm -hmm. And we can say no to the flesh because we know how to say yes to the Spirit. Spirit amen. Amen. All right. Well, as you go, love on each other because that's what we do here. And there's fellowship food downstairs as well.
Good evening. Oh, it's so good to see every one of you here tonight, especially our pastor. Hallelujah! Back from Turkey. So glad to see you. So, would you like to be encouraged tonight? Me too. I love getting encouraged by the Word of God. So, Hebrews... I heard that. Thanks, John. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 14, 15. Therefore, by him. What's the therefore by? The previous scripture says, but we seek the one to come. Are you seeking the one to come? Therefore, because you're seeking the one to come, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. That's loaded. Continually offer the sacrifice. Sometimes you just don't want to praise God. Anybody else besides me ever have that feeling? So he says, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. You can't just think it. You got to speak it, giving thanks to his name. Now, I saw this scripture and I kind of connected the two. It's so cool. Look at first Peter chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Listen, you don't have to go anywhere else to find your identity but that scripture. Glory to God. Think about that. Yeah, that's something to praise God about. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And you're special to God. It doesn't get much better than that. But see, we got to not just mentally ascend to that. Now look what he says. That you may proclaim the praise of God. You are that so you can praise God. When's the last time any of your unsaved friends just started praising and worshiping God? Anybody? Well, the unsaved are not praising and worshiping God because they're not the royal priesthood, the holy nation. They're not the special people. I'm sorry. That's what God says. So you might as well just say yes and amen. That's me. Go ahead. Yes and amen. That's me. You know why? Because God says that's who you are. He's got the final say. So because we are this, even though you may not feel it sometimes, <laughs> doesn't matter. You are this as a born-again child of God. And we are this so we can proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. That's something to praise God over. Amen. Who were once not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. To see how it doesn't matter what situation you might be in. And I don't care if it's a small little thing that just irritates you on the inside or some very heartbreaking, terrible thing. Praise changes everything. And do you know the first primary thing it changes is you your character, your heart. It changes you. Why? Because God promised that he inhabits the praises of his people. 
God comes on the scene every time you choose to worship and praise him. That's a promise from the Lord. How, how many of you know that God is faithful? Even when we are not, he is always faithful. He's faithful to his word. Now, praise is the truthful acknowledgement of a righteous act of another. Who trumps every righteous act but God? Doesn't God? The whole book is full of righteous acts. Now, worship is more of, a, more of an intimate form of praise. It personalizes your worth of God in your life. That's what worship does. Praise and worship are vital. It's a vital heartbeat of the born-again child of God. Because the Father said in John 4, 24, that God the Father is seeking those who will what? Worship Him. Worship Him spirit in spirit and in? Because God's a spirit and those who are in the spirit must worship Him in the spirit and truth. No brainers, right? It's so important, church, that in, you know, the things that are going on in the world, that you spend time worshiping your Lord and Savior and, and not letting the distractions of the world that's fallen, evil, perverse, falling apart at the seams get you down in any way, shape, or form. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, our commander-in-chief, the head of the body of Christ. Amen. Well, let's stand up together as a family of God, and let's just, let's obey the command of the Lord. Amen. One thing we can praise God for, there's so many, but I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and yeah. ever yeah. and ever yeah. and yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Doesn't it feel so good to be born again of the Spirit? Doesn't it feel so good to be a child of the living God? Well, turn to your neighbor and say, aren't you glad you're here tonight? to speak the truth in love to one another. Hallelujah. Well, good evening, everyone. So glad to see you all tonight. We'd like to welcome anyone that's here for the very first time. Anyone here for the first time, you want to raise your hand so we can give you a hand clap? All right. We're all family. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithes to the Lord this evening, so if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand, and if you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks, and we're going to return the tithe gladly, amen, with thankful hearts, knowing we have a good Father who has given us the kingdom. You know, Jesus said that in Luke chapter 12, so why don't you... Turn to Luke chapter 12. What does that mean? He's given us the kingdom. 
Well, this chapter in, um, in Luke chapter 12, um, it's, it's the, the passage where you see the story of the, of the rich man who tried to build these barns for all his stuff and he lived selfishly. And so he's talking about selfish living mindset, being worried and consumed with natural needs instead of seeking the kingdom first. So we know this portion of scripture really well. In verse 30, so he talks about in verse 30, so it says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. He was talking about all the things that we need. The Lord knows that you have things. There's certain basic necessities that we need on this earth to operate. You're just, you're just not going to do without them, you know, some basic things. Verse 30, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, so it's not, you know, do without them. So he knows we need him. He says, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And then he goes right into, fear not, little flock. Why would he say that? Well, because if you, if you, you know, something that you need and is so basic and so necessary, it, you could be consumed by it. Just because you need it, though, isn't a reason to be consumed by it. We're supposed to put the kingdom business first and trust your father that he will see to those things. So he says, don't fear. Why? For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his pleasing will to give you the kingdom. Well, if you look up that word, that means dominion or rule. And now notice this, verse 33, he goes right into how you implement that. It says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Right there it is. Kingdom operates, the kingdom of God operates by the law of sowing and reaping. Right there it is. And now, don't get caught up on, well, you know, Jesus said sell your possessions, so you shouldn't have anything. Right here's a vow of poverty. Don't own anything. Give everything away. Get real religious about how much stuff you have. You're missing the point. Because we have other scriptures that talk about how to use finances, how to use money. We know God, you know, it's not about having things, it's about things having you. We've got other scriptures. So what's it getting at? In other words, this is how the kingdom operates. This is the, oper- the principle of the kingdom. Do whatever it takes to begin to operate and participate with it. If you've got to sell your stuff so you can get into giving, get into sowing, do it. But give to the needy. That's what he's saying. What's the next word? He says, provide for who? Provide for yourselves. Oh, that's connected to the giving that we just talked about. See, your needs are met by your giving. It says, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. What's treasure in the heavens? The money you're giving here in the offering basket, getting on a conveyor belt and getting shipped up to heaven? No. Treasure in heaven is what you're doing for other people. See what he said? He said, sell your possessions, give it to the needy. You know, and if you look up further in the passage that we just kind of bypassed because we don't have the time for all that, in the story of the man who was living for himself and he built all these barns and he was hoarding for himself, um, says to him, God said this night, fool, this night your soul is going to be required of you, and who's, the thing, who's going to get the stuff you have then? You know, 
And he talked about the one who lays up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. Why? Because he wasn't doing anything for anybody else. So laying up treasure in heaven is what you've done for others. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. Okay, well, God's in the people business. So all this is connected. You take people out of the equation, what is the kingdom work? It is what you do for people. It's also how your needs are met, what you do for other people. So it's the law of sowing and reaping. And God has given us the way. He said, it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And this is how you operate. This is how you participate in it, is in with the law of sowing and reaping. So we're going to return our tithes. We're going to return our offerings to the Lord. And we're grateful. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful to you tonight that we can trust you completely, that you're a good provider, a good father, and that your thoughts towards us are good, that it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom, that you delight in the prosperity of your servants. Father, I thank you that we can tithe. We thank you for our jobs. We thank you for our things. Lord, increase our understanding of how to participate with your laws of increase and how we can better serve you and better promote and and seek your kingdom and reach others and help to change mindsets because lord we know our time is limited here on earth so just help us to see how we can align better with you and we give you the thanks and the glory for all that you're doing in our lives in the name of jesus and amen and the ushers can pass the baskets and the people will return it to the lord all right, Friday evening, we have the Young Family Life Group at 6.30 at the Burroughs Home. Next Sunday, August 29th, is starting the new year for youth impact and young adults. So um, it's not just a youth group. It is for also young adults. However, if you're coming to youth impact as a youth, you start in eighth grade. So this is the time of year for that. So if you're beginning eighth grade, you are welcome to show up at Youth Impact. Home groups are starting the week of September 12th. So downstairs, there's going to be sign-up sheets. We've got several different options. Hopefully one of those fits and you can sign up and participate in what the church body is doing corporately. Next Sunday, sorry, Saturday, Next Saturday is our missions weekend, so be praying about how God wants you to sow into his kingdom, into other people. And kids, don't forget that we collect uh, money throughout the year for kids' sponsorship in Ghana. So we collect that uh, once a month, but they can bring it every week. Parents, your kids can bring it every week. We just count it once a month, so on missions Saturday. Also, just wanted to remind you that LTS is starting up the next semester. Their new, uh, yeah, next semester, and that's September 11th. You have time to get involved with that. All right, everybody have a bulletin. Look on the back. I don't know how to say that. Is it Lua? Luala? Okay, it's a Hawaiian thing. <laughs> it's a Hawaiian party that. Roz and Bree Ayers is putting on. And the whole church is invited. Isn't that great? So that's um, awesome. Looks like a lot of fun. 
there is a sign-up sheet in the back if you're coming. Please let them know. And also bring two dishes to share and a lawn chair because of the loo party or the, the, the Hawaiian thing. Okay, Hawaiian's better. I can do Hawaiian. I don't know. There was too many vowels in a string. Is that even legal to have that many vowels in a string? I don't know. Okay. There is no use. But it is, but I was right on that. Okay, it is the year for, if you're, if you're going into the eighth grade, you're, you're welcome to start coming to Youth Impact, but not next Sunday. That is the Hawaiian party. <laughs> All right, well, are you glad that God brought your pastor back safe? Can we give the Lord a hand clap? I'm sure glad I'm not the only one who struggles with some words sometimes. <laughs> it's good to be here at home with you and to be among my people. Of course, you know, the Lord's people are all over the earth, right? And so you can always find your people no matter where you go around the world. Yet there's something special about being with those that the Lord has called you to walk alongside. And so uh, it is very, very good to be at home with you and to uh, get to share this evening together. So I'll give you a, an update on that in a little bit on the trip and how it went. I wanted to cover a few other things first a little bit. We have on um, Thursday, Gene English is going to be leaving on uh, behalf of a rescue mission. So he's going to be gone for approximately 10 days. So let's be keeping it. We're going to pray here in just a moment. But going forward, keep him in prayer for safety and that they would be able to, all the things would just work out. You know, we live in, in a time where travel plans can change so quickly. And so Gene's uh, going to go and be successful and come back home. In, in full health and with lots of testimonies behind him. So Gene, stand up so everyone knows who I'm talking about. If you're newer here with us, maybe you were wondering, but is that really old guy with white hair? <laughs> I'm not going to give him a microphone, so... <laughs> All right, let's pray over him. Father, I thank you for putting this in Gene's heart and for putting him at the right place at the right time to be able to walk in your will. And I ask that you would just uh, enable him and his hands and his team to be able to um, accomplish all that they have uh, set forth to do. Lord, we just call them uh, secure and safe. Father, I thank you for your ministering spirits to, to surround them, that your angels go with them and protect them. And Lord, that they would be able to pull these kids out of these situations and put them in a place, Lord, that you are able to work and, and just move in and on them in a mighty way. I thank you for it. Father, bring them back home. I thank you that every bill, every need is met in Jesus' name. And also, Lord, traveling favor, favor with the planes, favor with the, uh, every ride, every, every part, every piece, that it would just flow together with your favor in Jesus' name, and amen. amen. I want to also remind you that you still have time to sign up for the Armada Commission. It begins on September 7th. 
And um, we have three students that are going to be in it, so there's plenty of room for you if you would like to be a part of it. And the great thing is, is that unlike a class of 100 students where you might not get much time with your instructors, you'll have lots of one-on-one personal time with your instructors, which is really um, what the heart of how this all started. Is that right? Is discipleship and, and leading people into what God has called them to do. So if this is something that you've been considering, pick up the brochure on the back table and you can see the details about that there. Also, I want to take a moment and um, talk about Afghanistan or the Christians that are there and some of the things they're facing. You know, a a short month ago, many of the believers in Afghanistan were doing well. There was no threat of their life. They didn't see this coming. I mean, unless the Lord told them. But just looking in the natural, you wouldn't have seen that the Taliban is going to pretty much have all of Afghanistan in a month's time. And so, for them, situations have changed for, in a drastic way to where now they're facing life and death decisions. And they're being actively hunted and killed and, and different things like that. And so, we're going to pray for their safety and for the Lord to help them. But I want to challenge you. You know, I've asked you this several weeks ago. What would you die for? What are you grounded in enough to know that, you know, I'd give my life for that. And I hope, I hope you would say Jesus, Right? And, um, but for them, this is a reality today. And for you and I, we, have, we think that we're pretty secure here in this nation, but just look at everything that happened last year, and we realize things can change very quickly. And sometimes, you know, in, in 2019, we would never have believed 2020 were possible here. And yet, it was. And so, we shouldn't be surprised at some of these things because... Well, they've been prophesied and they've happened before and Christians have been killed for 2,000 years now, right? And so we know that that is um, the reality for them on the ground over there. And so let's just take a moment and, and let's pray over them and just pray that the Lord would really, what, what would stop this whole thing is if we'd just get a whole bunch of revival breakout over there, right? Get the Taliban to become the... Tala-Christians, right? (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you hear us and that your eye is upon upon your people and that your ear is open to their cry. And Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters to you that are in Afghanistan that are facing these horrible situations. Lord, I ask you to comfort those who are needing comfort. Father, by your Spirit, come upon them and empower them in ways that maybe they haven't even thought of before. But Lord, I ask you to deliver them. Deliver them from the hand of evil Hide them where they need to be hidden. Give them wisdom, Lord. Give them understanding of what to do, what not to do, where to turn, what to say, what not to say. Father, I just ask you that your angels would help them and your angels would deliver them. And and those that have already um, been taken captive, Father, you know where they are. You know their circumstances. And I ask you, Lord, to help them. And Father, we also ask you that for revival in Afghanistan. Lord, cause this time of darkness to be turned into the light shining brightly. 
and that stretch out your hand to do signs, to do wonders, to do miracles, to confirm your word. Lord, even give the Christians that are there more boldness than they had before. Boldness to reveal the living Jesus to those around them. Father, encounter them. I ask you, Lord, to give the people of Afghanistan dreams and visions of you and and encounter them by your Spirit. And even like you did to Paul on the road to Damascus, Lord, I ask you to arrest those that are, are... Their zeal is great, but Lord, they're not serving you. And I ask you to reach them, to encounter them, to send workers to them, and to rescue those that need rescued in Jesus' name. Father, for those also that are going to help, I ask you for protection for them. Lord, I ask you to bless those that are are stepping into that right now. Give them the courage they need, the insight, the wisdom that they need to walk in it in a way that is miraculous, in a way that uh, brings about your will, your plan, and your purpose. I thank you for that. And Lord, I even lift up our leaders, our, our, our government officials, Lord, that you would just encounter them, bring revival to our nation, to our leaders. Lord, arrest them. Open up the blind eyes and the deaf ears to hear and to see. Lord, I call all of every, every government official, Lord, if they don't serve you, then, then Father, send someone to witness truth to them. And if they refuse you, then we just cancel them from their positions in Jesus' name. And we call forth righteousness in our leadership. Righteousness that walks in integrity in Jesus' name. And amen. I know I'm sure glad that I know how to pray in tongues and pray in the Spirit and pray out the secret things of the Lord because sometimes you just, you know, in English, you know, well, how do I pray for them? And so, um, but the one thing you can do is when they come up in your heart, pray in the Spirit for them. And um, the Lord understands the Spirit language perfectly. And uh, it'll be a prayer that's according to His will and to His purpose. Well, Pastor Jay and I had a very good time. Of course, any time we're together is a good time. And we don't know how to have a bad time. But we also had a successful time. And that's more important than just having a good time. And um, we saw people uh, healed. We saw people delivered from demonic oppression and, and even some levels of possession. We saw um, people coming to the understanding of who Jesus is, and we're believing for more of that. I'll give you um, just a few scenarios of some things that took place. One of the things that um, we, we were really excited about was there's a businessman that um, they've been there for now several years. Um, they had been Muslim. They'd come to the Lord, and they're the only ones in his family Actually, he's the only one in his family that is a believer. His wife comes to about half of the services, but she's not made a commitment to serve the Lord. And um, a lot of times, you know, she even has issue with him helping, you know, people in the church or helping financially at the church and things like that. She's real jealous that way. And so <laughs> they, uh, he wanted to take uh, Jay and I out to, to a meal. So we go out with them and, and him and his wife come along and, and um, we had such a good time with them. And then they, a few days later, wanted to go do it again. And of course, um, 
you know, he's paying for everything, and I try to offer to pay, and she won't let me. She, she's the one that is, is wanting him to do these things, right? Which was just, you know, astounding. And, um, well, all of this happened, so they said, well, would you come to my parents' home? Because my mom fell and broke a few of her ribs yesterday, and um, she's in a lot of pain and has difficulty breathing and, and can barely move, and would you come pray for her? Well, Absolutely. And so we go to his parents' home. So we go to his home, and as is customary, we have tea and everything together. And after the tea is over, this family is a a business family, and they own, like, the whole apartment building, and every floor is, like, a different family's member lives on that floor. And so uh, they have a bunch of other family members are coming in as well. And so we begin to say, okay, so you wanted us to come pray um, what's wrong and what can we pray for? What, what, what do you want from the Lord? And so was she, you know, her ribs. And, and so one by one, we go around the room. Everyone has a prayer request for something. And his father, he had a stroke. And so his left hand, he could close it about that far. And that was about all he could do. And um, so it was real weak. And he wanted prayer for that. And then um, um, the youngest daughter, she's, I don't know, maybe middle 30s. Um, she is not married, and she's the only one in the family that's not married, and she, her, her, well, I'll get to her in a little bit. She also had a prayer request, but I'll talk about her in a little bit. So we start praying for them, and we pray for, uh, for the mom first with the broken ribs, and, um, and I'll be honest, man, I didn't feel any special anointing, no goosebumps, no power, no hot hands, didn't see any brilliant light, you know, just prayed, and, um, and moved on to, to him and prayed for him. And after we got done praying for him, well, you know, I told him, all right, squeeze your hand. So he tries. I said, okay, keep squeezing it. Keep working it. I said, it's going to keep getting better and better. Just watch. Keep working it. Okay. So we go around. We pray for everyone else. And, and by the time we were done praying for everyone else, the mom, she's over there. She's moving around and readjusting herself on the couch. And then some things happened that were funny. And she's laughing. She couldn't laugh before. She's laughing and gets up, moves to another chair, and like she was just completely different. I mean, she wasn't, you know, acting like a spring chicken, but it was a very marked difference, right? So the Lord was doing something there, and then when we went back a day later, or uh, three days later, she was, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing to see. You wouldn't have realized that it was the same person. So as the evening progresses and we prayed for everyone else, and then we begin to have this spiritual conversation with the one daughter. And as this conversation's going on, I keep seeing that the father's sitting over there in his chair, and he's just a real quiet guy, doesn't say much. He keeps looking at his hand and working his hand, and he's making a fist. And he keeps looking down at that, like looking over at us and looking down at his hand, and what's going on here, you know? And um, so the daughter, she's like, you know, uh, I believe there's a God. This was her question. I believe there's a God, but who he is, I don't know. You know, is, is Muhammad right? Is Jesus right? Is, is you know, who? I, I don't know. I, I believe there's a God, but, you know, why does, why does, why do bad things happen to good people? If, if, if God is good, isn't this just the universal question? So we got to bring light to her on that issue, and then we ask her, said, would you be open to God showing himself to you and revealing himself to you who is true and who is real? Well, yeah. 
oh man, your goose is cooked, right? <laughs> so you're going to give us permission. And so, so we, we prayed over her. We, I asked her a series of questions before I prayed for her. And um, she, she, yeah, yeah, she was very visibly touched by the Lord. So we asked the Lord to reveal himself to her, to show truth to her, to open up her eyes, give her, you know, and eyes to see, ears to hear, and all those things. So she agrees. She says, well, uh, so we invite her to church. This was like on a, uh, um, I don't know, maybe a Sunday, Sunday evening. So we invite her to church the next week, and she's like, yeah, yeah, she'll come to church. She'd never been to church before. And um, she's like, well, would you guys come on Saturday for breakfast? And one thing that to learn, never say no to breakfast. <laughs> and um, so, so we said, okay, we'll come, we'll come to breakfast. So Saturday morning rolls around, and, and um, Pastor Jay, myself, daughter was there. We all go, because we need a translator, right? And they don't speak English. And um, so we go to breakfast, and a bunch of the family members are there, and we have a great time and talk about the things of God. They have more questions, but are you sure it's God? I mean, how do you know it's not just like some good energy that's making His hand work? They were wondering about that. And so we tell them more testimonies, you know, and invite them to church again the next morning. Yeah, yeah, she's coming. And, well, okay, well, bring your dad and bring your mom and... and now, the son, who's the believer that comes to church, he laughs and he goes, not happening. That would take a miracle of God for them to come to church. And, uh, well, we said God's able to do miracles. And Jay says, oh, they're coming. <laughs> and um, so Sunday morning rolls around, and sure enough, uh, the, the mother didn't come, but the daughter and father came. Now, they'd never been there before, and so by the time the service was done, Jay preached. He just brought a real simple, good gospel message and and uh, the daughter and the father came up for prayer they didn't make commitments to follow the Lord yet that's just around the corner and uh, the Lord very much encountered them and and uh, they were ministered to so be praying for them and um, be praying that the Lord would reveal himself to them in a way and that they would make the decision to follow Jesus and then there was, uh, I guess I was on the way home and I got a call from this businessman and he's like, I'm at the hospital and um, <clears throat> he knows a little bit of English, a few words and, and so um, he's like, I'm at the hospital with my cousin and uh, so he puts it on video and, and his cousin, the lady laying in the hospital bed and he wants me to pray. So, <laughs> okay, well what's wrong with her? I figured out she had a bowel blockage, I guess. And so... I pray for her, and, and you know, you, you believe God, and we hang up the phone, and five minutes later, he's calling back. Okay, answer. He says, all her pain left, and she's better. He says, says, but my aunt came in the meantime, and her knee hurts. Would you pray for her? <laughs> so I pray for her, and hallelujah. You were a part of that. You know, your prayers, your finances, your help. Um, all of that is a part of that, and so thank you for your prayers. I, while, while I'm over there, I was thinking about this in, in the uh, room up here before the service. of You know, I think I pray more for you when I'm over there than I do when I'm here. And I think, uh, uh, Dale, you understand that, don't you? It, it's it's kind of like being pulled through a key hole sideways, because you know you're where God wants you to be, and you're ministering in that place, yet at the same time... Uh, the people that are 
the Lord has given to me to look after and to minister to you guys, right, are strong on my heart. And so um, I find myself praying constantly for you guys. And, uh, and I know that you were praying for me too. And everything just went really well. I mean, we didn't have even the first hint of a problem anywhere. In fact, it's, we, we, when we were flying going in, we um, had some very tight connections for Jay to be able to make his flight, and he was going to have to go pick up a bag and then come back and check in, and he only had like an hour and 20 minutes to do something that mm, take over two hours sometimes there. And so, but we had such favor, we prayed and we asked the Lord that he'd make a way to be able to arrange all of this and get the flights, and he didn't have to go pick up his bag. He didn't have to go recheck back in. They did that all back behind security for us. And um, so we were at the gate and waited like an hour. So, <laughs> so the Lord is able, right? He is able. 